0: Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. It is Easter Sunday, three and you will hear Father Joe Hudson preach on john twenty one one to nineteen As you listen, see if you can answer some of these questions. The questions one what does holy calling mean two. How have we been called? And how does that calling change over time? And three, what can we learn from Paul's calling? Mm -hmm.
1: Holy Gospel of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Saint John. Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and He showed Himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the Twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of His disciples. Simon Peter said to them, "I am going fishing." They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because... There were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish that you have just caught.' So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, "'Come and have breakfast.' Now one of the disciples dared to ask him, "'Who are you?' Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish." This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said this to him a third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The gospel
2: of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was a time, way back in the recesses of time, when you and I were actually young and were still growing up. Now, I know for all of us here it may be hard to remember that far back, but trust me, there was a time way back in the distant past when each of us were indeed still growing up. Well, as time passed, we may have eventually married and raised a family. We established a living socially, financially, through our relationships and our professions. We engaged in leisure activities and Some of us may have shown an interest in sports, but we're not going to talk about teams, right? Most of us probably attended church. For some of us, faith became a central component of our lives, something that still today influences everything we do and is core to our personal identities. For others, religion, church, faith may be just one of many components to our lives It may be meaningful to us, but if we were to be totally honest, we might say that it is something that grabs our attention for one or two hours on Sunday, but really has less impact on the other six days of the week. So how important is this thing called faith? Well, according to the Christian scriptures, you and I, all of us, whether ordained or lay, have been set apart for a divine purpose, a holy calling. It is not just those who live in a rectory or work in a priory church or parish that have been set apart for a divine purpose. You see, all of us who are identified as followers of Christ have been set apart to a holy calling. The scriptures speak of all Jesus' followers in this way. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You see, this reality greatly elevates the significance of our lives and it impacts everything we do, not only on Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday as well. Being an individual chosen by God influences who we are, how we see ourselves, and our very identity as not only human beings, but as a child of God. Some of us probably understand the significance of this calling, while others may not have a sense that God has a divine purpose for their life, that they have a holy calling from God. They may not fully understand that they are a chosen people, that they are royal children of God, who are part of the priesthood of all believers. But the truth of the matter is that we have all been called by God. We all have a purpose in God's kingdom. This calling reveals itself through the gifts and talents and passions and temperament that God has given each one of us. And this college calling is kind of fluid. It is not something that is locked in stone and established for one time in life and never changes. You see, as we mature and continue to learn and experience and engage life, we continue to change. Our gifts and talents may change as well and expand, as does our understanding of God. Our calling frequently evolves and sometimes we see dramatic shifts and course corrections in our lives of faith. This is what it looks like for us, 21st century followers of Christ. It is also what was experienced down through the ages by many people of faith. It was a calling that Saul of Tarsus knew 2,000 years ago. This morning, we listened to part of Saul's story. Later, he would be renamed Paul and we would know him as the Apostle. He had been called by God, and was ordained a Jewish Pharisee. He was a religious teacher and defender of the law of Moses. He was a man with a strong calling. He was zealous and passionate. He had been educated and trained in the best rabbinic tradition. He knew the Torah inside and out. His Jewish calling and vision was unassailable. He never doubted it. In the New Testament, Saul spoke of this upbringing and calling. He he said this, If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Saul, you see, was an impressive man, admired by the people, a natural-born leader, strong, confident, and proud. Saul's calling may have been somewhat unique, but each of us are likewise called by God, to fulfill God's purpose in and through our lives. Saul's calling was to use his religious and political muscle to crush any threat to the Jewish religion and their way of life. And this frequently meant those followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know any of them? These people who were called the people of the way, they had been gaining popularity among the masses. Saul had heard their message, he knew what they taught, and it was not the truth as he and his Jewish brethren understood it, not the authentic truth handed down to his people through Moses. These followers of Jesus were spreading their subversive beliefs all over the place, and they needed to be dealt with, and Saul was just the man to do it. He had his spies in every corner of Jewish society, sniffing out heresy and lawbreakers, hunting down any of these people of the way. When he found one, Saul had the authority given by the Sanhedrin to have them bound and drug off to jail. Once there, many were threatened so they would recant their heretical beliefs. Some were even tortured in order to give up the name of other followers of Jesus. You see, Saul was God's strong right arm and God's convincing messenger. He had a clear purpose, a holy calling. His religious and spiritual vision was clear. Or so he thought. You see, God needed to do some work on Saul's calling. One day, word had reached Saul from Damascus, 200 miles away in Gentile Syria, It seemed that followers of Jesus were stirring things up there as well. And so Saul approached the high priest, seeking letters that would give him authority to arrest any Jesus followers he might find. With these papers in hand, he was on his way. Saul was proud of his role as the powerful attack dog of the Jewish civil and religious authorities. But you see, Saul's many talents and assets also held a darker side to them. God knew that Saul needed further molding and refining in order to be the instrument God needed to accomplish his divine purpose. God needed to prepare this Pharisee for other bigger plans, for a more perfect calling. But this molding and refining process would not be easy. The scriptures tell us what happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there, blind, for three days, and did not eat or drink. You see, Saul was shaken to the very core of his being. For three days he sat there blind and hungry, in physical and spiritual darkness, every moment recalling in his mind his life as a Jew and as a Pharisee, trying to align his theological certainties with this new blinding revelation. Saul's experience on the Damascus Road reveals to us that life for God's servants is not always an easy one. Our calling in life is not always clear, our path not always straight. As God looked at Saul, he saw a man with incredible potential, but he also saw someone who was a bit too self-confident, too proud, too certain of what he believed. God needed to have Saul's eyes opened, and by some amazing twist of fate, Saul had to go blind so that he could see. He was knocked off his powerful steed and struck blind. For the first time in his adult life, he had to rely on others to guide him. For the first time, he was not confident and in control. This was a hard, difficult lesson for Saul. Hard lessons are often necessary for us as God's children. For all whom God has called, Struggle, pain, and suffering are frequently tools used to accomplish that softening, refining work in our lives. The Pharisee Saul of Tarsus needed to become Paul the Apostle to have his life turned towards a new holy calling. It took a blinding light, the divine voice, blindness, and reliance on others to begin accomplishing this, to redirect his life, to radically turn him from a persecutor of the faith to the greatest defender and missionary of that faith. God has called millions of individuals down through the ages, just as God has called you and me. As Episcopalians, we received our initial foundational call at our Christian baptism. Through this holy immersion, We are called to renounce sin and evil and to follow in the teachings and way of life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We follow Jesus' teaching and way of life through repentance, study, prayer, worship, and openness to the Spirit of God and involvement in various ministries that will facilitate the growth of God's kingdom In a few minutes, you and I will reaffirm a brief summary of our baptismal commitments as they are seen in our bulletin. And as ordained Episcopal clergy, we have an additional calling and commitment from God besides our Christian baptismal commitment. Every year, we reaffirm this call before our bishop when attending the Charism Mass. In just a few minutes, Father Bob, Deacon Michael, and I will reaffirm before you these vows. Although many of you may be familiar with your baptismal vows, because you recite them at least once every year, some of you may not have attended an ordination service where the clergy's vows were recited. In your bulletin, you find the words of our commitment to our bishop and to the Episcopal Church. In our calling as ordained Episcopal clergy, here are our vows. To proclaim Jesus' death and resurrection, to administer the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist, and to care for God's people in the power of the Spirit, to give ourselves to prayer and study, to minister the word of God in the sacraments of the new covenant, that the reconciling love of Christ may be known and received, to be a faithful servant to all those committed to our care, patterning our lives in accordance with the teachings of Christ, so that we may be wholesome examples to our people. This is our commitment. Now, as you and I strive to fulfill our calling and our baptismal or ordination vows, we do not always fulfill every point perfectly. Although we are each indwelt by the presence of Christ, we still reside in human skin, with human temptations and human frailties. But as called and baptized children of God, when we fall short, we are expected to seek forgiveness and amend our ways as God enables us. May the presence of Christ and the power of the Spirit living within each of us Enable us to fulfill our calling before God as children of God.
0: questions 1 what does holy calling mean 2 how have we been called and how does that calling change over time and 3 what can we learn from paul's calling <laughs>